This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat here on this sunny Monday morning. I think at this point, it's been three weeks in a row. Every time we record our Monday episode, it's going to come out around noon instead of around 3 a.m. like it used to, because I'm liking these Monday morning recordings. I get to sit down and have a coffee with recording. It's great. And you reminded me of the sun, so I let it in. <laughs> and Megan's here, so the sun is even more in. Aw, that's so nice. <laughs> well, we have a fun episode for you today. Obviously, the Pittsburgh Penguins have played a couple of games since the last time we came to you last Thursday. We will review those games and talk a little bit about the game coming up on Tuesday evening against the Chicago Blackhawks. But after that... Later in the show, we're going to review the first 10 games of the season because we are now officially 10 games into the 2021-22 season. We're going to talk about what we've seen so far, what our opinions are on the team, certain players, where they're going, and where they're at. We'll talk about all that. We'll bring back an old segment, and then we'll finish off with our Pens poll. But, like I said, we're starting out with Penguins game reviews. Obviously, these past two games, the Penguins have been a little shorthanded, and I feel like that might be an understatement. Sidney Crosby, their best player, obviously, all-world player, is out because he's on the COVID protocol. So, too, are three of their top six defensemen, Marcus Pedersen, Brian Dumoulin, and Chad Ruedel. And to make matters worse, head coach Mike Sullivan, also absent. So, Todd Reardon accepting the role of head coach for a couple of days. Horwat, with all of these injuries... Not even injuries. They're not injuries. With all of these COVID protocols, players missing due to COVID, what was your expectation going into these two games? Did you think the Penguins would get three out of four points? Uh, The expectations were, once again, damn near nothing. (laughs) I don't know why, though, because Jeff Carter was back in the lineup. That's usually a big boost. I think my expectations were just so low because... Crosby came back and then was immediately down again. Oh, yeah, now we're missing Dumoulin, Pedersen, Chad Ruedel, who I guess would be in the top six, right, in this yes. situation right now. Yeah. Um, that's half of your defensive core. Chris Letang was coming off of a, a COVID case himself, which we'll discuss because they threw him to the Wolves immediately. Which we expected. Yeah, I think. But I don't know if I really expected much from this team again because we were on a downswing we were coming off a three-game losing streak somewhere and just things just didn't look pleasant then all these COVID cases broke out and things just kind of went from bad to worse and I said all right I'm not throwing in the towel but my expectations are low because it's exciting when they're low expectations and they exceed them yeah right that's always fun also add on the fact that at the time Gensel and Kapanen weren't doing anything Mm -hmm. So not only are all these players out with COVID, um, Brian Russ, was that when he came back? He came back on Saturday. Okay. Uh, Brian Rust was nearing his return. And not only that, then your two stars were just weren't performing. 
I just kind of threw my hands in the air and said, whatever happens, happens. We need a fully healthy lineup for me to really get my expectations back up because it's not that this team has been disappointing. It's just been, I don't want to get my hopes up for what could be nothing. Yeah. I'm not saying this is a, I'm not saying throw away the season. It is still early. People are getting healthy quickly. It's just, what do you want? What do you want me to do? Like, <laughs> I can't. It's also I've been working a lot and still can't watch the game, so I'm not. It's not even like I'm sitting there seeing it. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of reviewing it afterwards. But still, just ugh. That's the only way to describe all of this right now. Yeah. If you would have told me last Thursday when we had our episode that the Pittsburgh Penguins in these two games would come out taking three of four points, I would say that I should be ecstatic. I should be ecstatic considering what is missing what is available, and the two teams we're playing. Let's not forget, the Flyers have had a decent start to the season. The Minnesota Wild have had a really good start to the season. So getting three or four points against these two teams overall is a good thing. But it's just the way that they lost that game on Saturday, which we'll get into, that just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You should have gotten four of four points. You should be sitting here on Monday morning, riding a two-game winning streak, getting ready for your first road game in, I don't know, a month? But... Unfortunately, that's not how it all ended up. But let's start with the 3-2 overtime victory versus the Philadelphia Flyers on Thursday night. Latang, as you mentioned, back from the COVID protocol. We said on that Thursday episode, he's probably going to play 28 to 30 minutes a game. And where did he finish? 28 minutes, 54 seconds. Now, albeit he did have probably two to three minutes of that in overtime, but I thought he looked great. I mean... You're coming off the COVID list. You play that much time. You play the most important minutes of anybody on the team. He scores the game-winning goal. He has a huge hit on Claude Giroux where he just pushes him around. And overall, I thought he played really well. Yeah, he he was the story of that game, period, Mm -hmm. because he was coming off of uh, COVID. By the way, reminder, he had symptoms and, oh, yeah, has a heart condition. Mm -hmm. So we really didn't know what his game was going to look like yeah yeah he played a ton of minutes but there was some thought that maybe they'll ease him back in because oh yeah heart condition covid this is all not good in that sort of situation yeah but after the first period all the reporters are like crystal tang just played damn near half of that period they're not easing him back in it's it is uh all go as usual yeah and he looked fine he looked good and then he went on to have you know like i said the story of the game pushing around Claude Giroux like the child he is. (laughs) Sorry, little brother he is. I shouldn't have said child. Like the little brother he is. Adding on the overtime winner that had to go through review and all. Yeah, but still, picking up the overtime winner is huge. It was his game to have. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of comeback game you want to see from people, you know? Yeah. Every time we talk about Crosby's comeback games, games shouldn't be plural, but here we are. Crosby didn't have a great comeback game this past, this past year but what can you do when you only have one and then you're back on the shelf again it didn't count he didn't play Crosby has not played a game yet this season (laughs) in my eyes (laughs) luckily he has another comeback game coming probably we'll get into it but I think at the end of this week probably when they play the the Capitals on Sunday (laughs) prime time um yeah so Latang had the game of games and helped you know get back in the win column Mm -hmm. it's what you want the only issue is Damn it, can we win a game cleanly? Yeah, no. It's been a while since we you know, decisively won a game. It was that three-game winning streak we popped off. Mm-hmm. 
and now they're scaring us a little. Yeah. They're getting faulty. It's just not ideal at all, especially for a team that is not broken but is missing a ton of names. Mm-hmm. When you look at the players that were out, and I didn't notice this until today when I went back to, to finish up and sure up my notes for this episode, but I looked at that list of players on defense that were out. Marcus Pedersen, Brian Dumoulin, and Chad Ruedel. Now, we'll talk about Brian Dumoulin at a later date because his season so far has been putrid. But realistically, you look at these three players, not only is that three of your top six defensemen, those are your three defensive defensemen. Who's left? Mike Matheson, Chris Letang, and John Marino. All pretty decent defensemen in their own right, but they're not specialists when it comes to protecting their own end. They're puck movers that can transition the game well, but they're not guys that play well in their own zone specifically. Latang, he's a little bit of both. But when I look at Matheson and I look at Marino, those two kind of lean more towards their offensive sides. So the fact that the Penguins allowed 17 shots on goal in the first period, that explains it a little bit more now. Yeah, it's just not ideal. I mean, sure, def- uh, Chris Latang is great defensively. It's just mm-hmm. we look at his offensive stats more than we do because that's the style player he is he's always been a puck mover and a scorer mm-hmm. john marino just still has to find his game it seems and he hasn't you had know? a bad season so yeah far. he hasn't had a bad season it's just we still don't really know what kind of defenseman he's gonna be we probably should have an idea at this point but it's we're still kind of up and it's still all kind of up in the air it could be anything um and mike matheson's a damn forward yeah period like it's when are we all just going to accept this? Yeah, and we saw that at the end of the game. That's the reason it even went into overtime is because Matheson blew out a tire, turned the puck over behind his own net less than five minutes in, left in the game, and all of a sudden it's in the back of your own net. That's what happens when you play good teams, and that's what Philly was able to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and there's nothing wrong with having Matheson, who can be a skilled defenseman, you know, lean toward a forward. Now that's useful yeah. when it comes to a power play situation or three-on-three overtime. It's useful. Mm-hmm. Because he's got speed, especially for three on three overtime. He seems like, you know, that's the a key defensive to put out there. He has got speed. He knows the defensive position, which is ideal, yeah. and can score. So he's got his role. That's it. But, you know, come full strength, it's a little iffy. Mm-hmm. Again, he knows the defensive position. He kind of knows the routine. So that's good a good start. But mm-hmm. you look at him as a forward half the time, and that's what hurts us. And then when he blows up like that, again, not ideal. You want your defensive man back there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, it's my, it's the story of Mike Matheson. It's always going to be the story of Mike Matheson. It's, it's You put him on the ice because of his puck-moving ability and his skating ability, despite the fact that he's not great in his own zone and he doesn't protect his own zone very well. But and he's playing top line minutes without Dumoulin he, here. Yeah, he, he's. But I was about to say, but he's on a defense pairing with Chris Letang. So who, again, leans forward as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that's hard. That's what makes Dumoulin so great on that line, despite him not having a great start so far. Is that he is the one that'll stay back while Letang does his thing. Mm-hmm. If you have two guys that just do their thing, all of a sudden you don't have a blue line. Mm-hmm. It's it becomes deck hockey out of nowhere. Yeah. When defensemen activate. I love that people, that's what it's called. It's, oh, they, when they step up into the play, it's, they've activated their defensemen. It's like, what are they, robots? Like <laughs> It's just because you run out of adjectives pretty damn quickly in an hour-long game. Yeah, fair enough. 
Fair enough. But there were two other performances that I wanted to highlight. If the game and the story of the game was Chris Letang, the subplot was Jake Gensel getting his groove back and Tristan Jari doing everything we said we needed Tristan Jari to do in this game. I mean, 36 saves on 38 shots for Jari. We said that if we were going to win these games, it was going to be low scoring. We were going to need a great performance out of Jari because the defense wasn't going to be there. I would like to think that we should get like some reward for correctly predicting exactly what was going to happen in this game. Tristan Jari needed to be on his game. It was a low scoring affair where there was not much defense to be had for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Luckily, is it Jari or Jerry? I've heard both. I think there's dissemination now in the fan base. I think it's Jari. I don't know who's... Oh, Poppy said Jerry, right? He did. All right, well, you know. No, it's Jari, because isn't that what all the announcers say? That's usually what I go by. Yeah, I didn't know if I until... missed an interview where he said, oh, no, it's Tristan Jerry, which I would have been like, you know what? <laughs> it's not. No, you lost that opportunity. I mean, it took Connor Sherry how long, but yeah. again, I think some people just don't care. And until I hear Mirzi or Getzoff call him Jerry, I'm calling him Jari, because yeah. that's how I go in sports. Yeah. Other than that, uh, I did like to see Jake Gensel getting a goal. It was kind of a fluky goal, but hey, that's that's what you need sometimes. Gotta and you it. can see after that goal, he started to get his confidence back. You saw him with that one play where he juggled the puck to himself, put it down on the ice, and sent a beautiful pass to Chris Letang. It didn't amount in a goal, but it amounted in a great opportunity. And that's what Jake Gensel's been missing. His playmaking, his play-setting ability, and just his ability to drive the play when he's on the ice. Luckily, late in that game, we saw it. Luckily, we saw it on Saturday, and now let's transition over to that in a 5-4 overtime loss for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Against, shootout loss. Was it, oh, it is a shootout loss. I don't know why I messed it up in my notes here. It's but, okay, because the shootout doesn't count. Because the shootout is stupid. And, and, I'm, and I'm officially over it because our goalie cannot stop a shootout. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tristan Jari. I'm over it now. Two saves on seven attempts so far this year. In the oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Not not great for Tristan Jari, but 5-4 to four shootout loss to the Minnesota Wild. It was nice to see Brian Rust back in the lineup. You clearly see how much better he is than a lot of our wingers and the skill level that he just inherently has. And it was also nice to see that the two guys that we kind of talked crap on, Jake Gensel and Kasperi Kapanen, account for every single one of the Penguins' four goals. Kapanen, of course, with his first career hat trick, which I did not know at the time. Crazy. I did not know that either. But congrats to Kasperi Kapanen. Great game. Gensel's goal was, it's a Jake Gensel goal. He absolutely sniped Cam Talbot. It's exactly Bullet. what you want to see. Those two on a roll. But unfortunately, the sour taste that's left in my mouth is from giving up a 4-2 to lead with under four minutes to go. What, why can't we play defense when there's an extra attacker? It, it happened early in the season. In the first game, whenever we played the Tampa Bay Lightning, although we did score, what, three empty net goals in that game, we still gave up game. two. You gave up two at six on five, and you did it here again. And if you do that, I was, you know, at that point, I'm never going to say that I was hoping the Penguins lost, but they didn't deserve to get that extra point in that game because of that. No, but it would have felt damn good because regardless of how, you know, we let them tie it up with a second or two left, even if we come out with a win, we forget about that for a little bit and just say Kasperi Kapanen had a hat trick. Maybe he scores the game winner too, and we say, hey, he had four goals. All of a sudden, losing 
uh, the lead in the last two seconds doesn't mean too much. It's still a piece of the game that the players will look at and say, hey, we cannot do this. We should not have gone to overtime. We should have shut it down in the final few minutes. Uh, but you quickly get over it and say, we got a W because as a fan, a win is a win is a win. That's all that matters. So maybe Kasperi Kapanen pots the overtime winner. He has a four-goal night. We talk about it nonstop because four goals is huge. Remember Jeff Carter? We talked about his four-goal game for a month. Mm-hmm. It's something to always fall back on. That, hey, there's something good that came from it. But the fact that we, you know, he scores his hat trick, his first, second, and third of the season, his first career hat trick. We look good. We look like we're dominating. But then we remember, oh yeah, the Minnesota Wild aren't the boring Minnesota Wild anymore. That's something we discussed too. They are a faster, more fun team to watch and play against. Mm-hmm. And that's what they utilized. Some good speed, some good play, and now we go to overtime. It was a fun overtime from what I heard on the radio and from it was. the like two replays I saw in the highlights because NHL highlights suck this year for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a fun overtime, and then nothing comes from it. Jari's doing good in overtimes at least. Then we get to a shootout, yeah. and... Swiss cheese. Well, here's the thing. You say that it wouldn't be as bad if they came away with the victory, which, you know what? I agree that it wouldn't be as bad, but it's like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. You look at what, right. you, what happened at the end of that game. It You cannot let that happen, and that is right. equal parts Tristan Jari's ability and the team's defense. I mean, on the last goal, with 2.2 seconds left in the game, you had five guys below the dots, and nobody covering the eventual goal scorer. You cannot let that happen. I don't. This needs to be practiced the entire week with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Six on five defense, closing out games. Because guess what? It is costing you valuable, valuable points. This team is in last place right now in the Metropolitan Division. You cannot be giving up that point that you had in the bag. You had a four to two lead with three minutes left. You should never lose that game. Right, you absolutely should. It's wild, uh, ironically. Just... God, I hate that. I, so do I. I didn't mean to. I <laughs> the word in time. Just any time the, the other team pulls the goal, you get a little worried, right? Mm-hmm. It, but not, you're not as much when it's a two-goal lead, at least. You're sitting there like, ah, we can let them bank one, so what? We got time. Until you realize how much time is left when they bank the first one. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, go down and get one. We need that cushion. I like I said I couldn't I didn't see it I was only listening to it mm-hmm. how couldn't we get it down was were they just on it were the wild just on it because like I said they play that fun style of hockey now the, they're not boring anymore the, they always have the puck yeah the penguins were just a step behind and just couldn't get control of the puck yeah yeah it's I'm not saying the penguins have become the boring team but without Crosby and Malkin um or well, you know it's we slow we slow, we lose a step a little bit a little bit but here's the thing too you notice the fact that you had Gensel and Kapanen that were on cold streaks before this game this game showed that the penguins are not the boring team you had those two performing Evan Rodriguez Brian Rust and Jason Zucker all had two assists some of them very gorgeous assists they played well they played up tempo they scored four goals that's not bad but the way that you ended that game and also to lose in the shootout and have Nick Bukestad put the dagger behind it is also a little bit more salt in the wound. But at the same time, again, it just, I I haven't been able to look back at this game and be like, okay, 
this past weekend, we got three points out of four games against two good teams. That's what we should be taking away from this. But it's just the way that it ended and the way that you lost that fourth point, it leaves a really sour taste in my mouth. It's And rightfully so. It's Like I said, it does hurt to lose a game like that. If we would have come out with a win, we wouldn't be discussing it at nauseum like this. I'm sure we'd mm-hmm. still mention it because, like I said, even the players are like, they understand what they do wrong, and that's one of those things that they would do wrong. Yeah. Because you don't want to give up a lead with a second left. A second left. Yeah. That's the other part of it. It was so late that even if they score one, that just the one with three minutes left and we hold it off, you know, maybe you mentioned, like, hey, they gave one up with an empty net. We can't do that, but we move on. No, we gave up two with a second left. We hold it for an extra second. This blows over in a day. I, and let's but also, here we are multiple days later. We're still discussing it. Yeah, let's also not forget that they gave up the tying goal to the Philadelphia Flyers in the last five minutes of the game as well. Yeah, exactly. And that's and when it becomes a pattern, it starts to leave that bad taste in your mouth even more. Yep, exactly. So I think that's what led to the second one. It's like you, the first one went in with three minutes left. You said there's a ton of time for them to score another one. You're not thinking there's not, there's no goalie. The Penguins can can go down and score. That's not your first thought. Your first thought is they're getting another one and tying it, aren't they? Yeah, and unfortunately they did. And listen, you know what? For us, we're lucky. We have this medium where we come on, we talk it out, we get our frustrations out on on recording. And now, now I can look back at it and say, you know what? Three points in four games, a couple of good teams. We're missing three of our top six defensemen, our top goal, our top player, Sidney Crosby, mm-hmm. and our head coach. So you know what? I can oh, finally yeah. rest a little bit now that I got it out of my system. But you still have to look at that and be like, it better not happen again. It better not happen it's... to Chicago on Tuesday. It better not happen to Florida on Thursday. Because if you do this, if you play that way against Florida – we saw what happened to Carolina. They came out a little bit flat. They went down four to nothing in the first period of Florida. We can't do that if you're the Penguins. On it's it's one of those things you look at on paper and you go three out of four, not bad. We're missing everybody, mm-hmm. including our coach. You look at that on paper and you go, I'll take it. Walk away with it because that was kind of the review at the beginning of the season for us, wasn't it? Yeah, just get the points. You would have told me through the first six that we'd have that many wins or however. On paper, you're like, cool, I'll take that this on paper cool we're taking it but then you look into the details and that's where we have these discussions mm-hmm. it's always it's not ideal just to have that on paper but the on paper numbers is what gets you into the playoffs yep it's not all negative but let's just say we're not entirely pleased with the product that we saw on saturday night but let's quickly preview the chicago blackhawks matchup coming up tuesday night before we get into a full review of the first game First 10 games of the season in our next segment. But on Tuesday, they will visit the Chicago Blackhawks with their first road game since October 14th. It has been that long since the Pittsburgh Penguins have played a game on the road. They're also playing the Chicago Blackhawks for the second time this season. The last time these two teams met was for the Pittsburgh Penguins home opener on October 16th. The Penguins chased Marc-Andre Fleury in the first period and finished off the Chicago Blackhawks by a score of 5-2. Now... This could come at a very good time for the Penguins. The way they lost their last game, it's kind of a hits you right in the confidence. But at the same time, good jumping off point. Gensel has his momentum back. Brian Rust has a game under his belt back. Chris Letang is fully back now. A couple games. Kapanen's playing well. You need Tristan Jari to start to heat up. You're going up against a team that has struggled so badly that they fired their coach this past weekend 
and now they're two nine and two on the season after a two to one win over the Nashville Predators on Sunday. Horwat, are you expecting a high scoring game, a low scoring game? I don't know what the odds are right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. I'll look it up while you're talking. But what are you expecting from this game against the Blackhawks on Tuesday? What am I expecting? Honestly, I don't know because the Chicago Blackhawks are still so bad. Um, oh, they have two wins now. Good for them. They yes. <laughs> Jeez, two nine and two. Uh, things don't look good in Chicago, both on and off the ice. But it's there's an aura around that team that every time we play them over the last how many years, it's not good. It's not a good turnout for us. Usually, it's yeah. Although I've kind of lost that fear after chasing our future, our ex future Hall of Fame goaltender. So, sure, I don't feel scared to play them anymore. But in the back of my head, I still think Taves is kind of okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Patrick Kane. You don't lose a shot. You know, you can always. Well, Patrick shoot Kane the has been on fire the last week. So yeah. Um. But that defense is horrendous, so maybe we're yeah. still okay. As for how high scoring it may be, uh, I don't know if it'll be high scoring because it is in Chicago. Although, are people going to the games there? Not very many. I saw like I say I saw like since everything came out, the people stopped going, which good they shouldn't be. <laughs> but because um, that would be that was a barn that was hard to play in. Yeah. But if it's mostly empty, maybe that adds a little more to the Penguins' advantage. But. Um, Oof. Yeah. So, well, as for high scoring, I still it's that's just a hard one to pick. Okay. I would say maybe the Penguins get a couple. What's the betting line on it? Right now, the Penguins are favored money line in the game at minus 130 on DraftKings Sportsbook, but the over-under is sitting at six. Would you go over or under six total goals? That's between, yeah, Both between teams. the two. Uh, oh, six is a high one. You know, because Jari hasn't been phenomenal, I'm going to go over. You're going to go over? I think... I would go over. You know what? When you look at Jari's stats overall, that they haven't been bad. When you look at Marc-Andre Fleury's stats overall, they have been bad. So you know what? I'm going to probably go with the over in this as well. But I think it's going to be more of a 5-2, to 5-3 to three game in favor of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think what you saw on Saturday is just the beginning. I think Brian Rust looked really good in a first game back. I think Jason Zucker specifically looked really good. You texted me about the pass this morning oh that God, he made that in between the referee's legs out to a wide open Kasperi Kapanen for his first of the year. So I like the over in this game. If you want to take the Penguins minus one and a half, if you think they're going to win by two goals, it's plus 185 right now at DraftKings. So you're getting plus money if you think the Penguins can win by two. But realistically, the Pens are favored in this game and the juice is to the over as well. So I would say you probably take the over in this game, at least if I was betting it, which I probably will be. And that was your sports betting minute. Yeah, that that's the, <laughs> that is what I do now. So I've kind of like listened to people talk like that. So now I'm starting to actually talk oh, like that. So it's like, a, uh, yeah. What's his name? It's, what's his name? The the one with the high pitched voice, Nick Costos. Like Nick Costos, yes. Like Nick Costos. If anybody listens to Odyssey stuff, you know Nick Costos's voice. <laughs> yeah, I've produced Nick Costos a couple times in the past couple of weeks. So I hear his I hear his stuff on the fan all the time. He's love just. He's got one of those annoying voices, but you have to hear it. It is very specific. You know who's talking whenever it's Nick Costos. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to review the first 10 games of the season. Because, you know, let me do some shorthand math here. That's 8% of the season? Is that what it is? It's a close. 80 divided by 10 is 8. 
So that's eight yeah. percent of the season. That's that. Then he got those last in two. The books. So it's yeah. Somewhere. You know, like I said, I'm not doing that much math, but we're ten, we're eight percent of the season in. We're gonna talk about those first ten games after the break. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just one dollar on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection, however they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're here to review the first 10 games of the Pittsburgh season, the Pittsburgh Penguins season, because we're now officially 8% of the way through the NHL regular season, the Penguins, not the greatest start, but when you look at who they've been missing and how long they've been missing the certain names, you kind of understand that where they're at right now is not as bad as it could be. Right now, the Pittsburgh Penguins record is 4-3-3, and which in total is four wins and six losses, but they started off 3-0-2, so since then, 1-3-1, you're hoping that the Penguins can turn this around, like we mentioned in the first segment, three points out of four over the weekend against two pretty decent teams but as of right now they sit in dead last place in the metropolitan division horwat how worried does that make you right now you see it doesn't make me that worried because yeah we're in dead last in the metro we're over 500 the metro is the only division where every team is over 500 and i don't expect that to last now a couple of these teams have to fall below um, so if we can at least keep pace, well, at bare minimum, keep pace, I, we would move up. Uh, preferably, we advance and be over 500 and far over it and move up the rankings. But again, we, at least as of now, through ten through our first 10 games, um, and everyone but the Bruins have played 10, at least, we are not at the bottom of the pack. We are still one of the solid middle-of-the-road teams who just has to find the right key to turn it around and again we're doing all of this we're still sitting above 500 albeit last in the division without so many key players at different points of the season it was the story of last season and now it is the story again of this season this one at least is a little more predictable per se and when the people will be coming back because it's mostly COVID where it's not injuries and it's hey this person might come back at this point it's more of Hey, it's COVID protocol. Give them a week. Yeah. It's just one of those weird situations for right now. But again, 
I'm still confident in this team because we're above 500. Yeah, yeah. we're last in the division. We're in the hardest division in the league again. Nothing's changed. But being over 500, 10 games into the season with nobody in the lineup, mm-hmm. it's good. It's a good start. As of right now, the Penguins have 46 man games missed due to injury or the COVID protocol. Sidney Crosby, who is the best player on this team, has missed nine of those. He played in one game. And even in that game, you had to imagine he probably had COVID or at least the early onset symptoms of COVID. So you didn't have a fully healthy Sidney Crosby. You've only had, and this is important for our podcast because we give out the Iron Penguin Award at the end of the year for any player that played in all 82 games. You know how many players are still eligible for that award right now? Only 8% of the way through the season. I'm going to say four. Close. 8% of the way through the season, we have eight players left. Oh. Oh, what was I undershooting? I can only think of Brock McGinn and Kasperi Kapanen. Maybe that's where I just... Brock McGinn, Kasperi Kapanen, Teddy Bluger, uh, John Marino, Danton Heinen, and then there's two more that I cannot think of. Uh, Just off the top of my head. Zach Aston-Reese? Zach Aston-Reese missed the first game of the season on the COVID protocol. So, like, there's a lot of players that have been in and out of the lineup. I think Evan Rodriguez is another name there. So, the fact is, the Penguins have not been healthy. Not even close to healthy. That's one of the biggest factors. That's one of the biggest storylines that we've seen this season so far. So once they get healthy, am I confident that they're going to shoot up the Metro standings? Yeah, I think they're not going to be in last place anymore. I also don't think that the Columbus Blue Jackets at 7-3, and three, I don't think that's sustainable for them. Especially now that Patrick Laine is going to be out for six weeks. It's not sustainable for them. But what the Penguins need to do is they need to keep taking points. They also need to not give up goals in the last five minutes of the game, but they just need to continue to compete in these games. You look at the teams they've played, they've played some pretty good teams. They lost to Calgary. Calgary is one of the hottest teams in the league. They've lost to Tampa. Tampa, once again, turning around, one of the hottest teams in the league. They lost to Toronto. Or no, they beat Toronto. But Toronto has now won six games in a row. So, how have we gone through? Hold on. How have we gone through every episode since that game and have mentioned it at least once? Because because it's, <laughs> it's Toronto. Because it's Toronto. They're the whatever the mecca of the hockey world, I guess. But we, Ooh, okay. yeah, whatever. But the point is, the Pittsburgh Penguins have played some pretty tough competition and have been able to stay afloat, even though they've been missing this many people. Yeah. Also, the players we're forgetting that have played every game: Brian Boyle and Jason Zucker. Mm, okay. Brian Boyle's the, the important one there. Whereas, oh yeah. Brian Boyle's on this team and is performing well. He is. And do I think he's going to play in all 82 games? No. Hell no. If the Penguins ever get to fully healthy, he'll probably get a healthy scratch at some point. But altogether, the Penguins skaters, they had a hot start. They had a lull. And now it looks like they're picking up the pace again. So you can't be upset about that. Now, coming into this season, if you take away the injury topic what was the biggest discussion point coming into this year for the pittsburgh penguins and all of the offseason it was goaltending yeah oh yeah the penguins are gonna we talked how many times oh who can the penguins pick up as a goalie oh they're gonna get an experienced backup to help tristan jari there were times we were like they're gonna replace jari with john gibson with john gibson 
with we had John names Quick, at the ready. With a John. Somebody. But they didn't. They stuck with Tristan Jari to the chagrin of a lot of Penguins Twitter. And to so, the chagrin of yeah, to the chagrin of a lot of people, and yet literally like two days after we lost to the Islanders, Hextall and Burke were like, No, we're keeping Jari around. What are you all talking about? Yep. And everyone was still like, No, you're not, you're trading him. Yes. Guess what? Nothing happened. Listen to people when they talk. <laughs> so thus far into the season, Tristan Jari is four two and two with a two point three three goals allowed average, a nine twenty five save percentage, and three point one seven goals saved above average. His goals allowed average and save percentage are 12th in the league among goaltenders that have played at least 200 minutes this year. And his goal saved above average is 10th in the league among goaltenders that have played a minimum of 200 minutes. That is good. That is that is a good start to the season. Yes, the one thing that he is lacking right now, other than the fact that he cannot stop a shootout shot, is the fact that he needs the timely save. He hasn't been able to get that. There have been a couple of goals that he's given up at inopportune moments, and they're bad goals. But for the most part, he's playing well. On Again, on paper, this looks good. Like, you're looking at 4-2-2. Two, and two, Not ideal, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, 9-25, it's a hell of a lot better than what we would t- discuss with Matt Murray. Mm-hmm. And then the 233, again, not perfect, not ideal, but it's good. It's not bad. This is a non-complainable number on paper. Yeah. But then you, again, pull into the details of everything, and you look at the timeliness of these goals that he's giving up, and you do put some blame on him. You do have to remember who is playing defense in front of him right now. Mm-hmm. But still, you need the timely save. You are the one that's supposed to stop the puck after all. Yeah. You know? So it's about being the clutch goaltender that we need and that was kind of the downfall in the playoffs although that was just that wasn't a clutch situation that was just the entire of every game yeah but and some clutch moments i guess that he just fell apart in but for now i don't hate this you you want improvement clearly because you look into the details we look into the details and we want to see more from the timely saves but for now, early in the season, everything on paper looks good. Looks like an improvement. Looks like, yeah, we're making the right move and keeping him around. Like, like the pinned tweet on my Twitter profile was my story about how the fans need to give him another, give him a shot. Mm-hmm. Let him work. He's still young. He's 26. Mm-hmm. Goalies are weird, and he's hitting his prime this year, if not next year. Yeah. We, we got time still. We got time. So, other than Tristan Jari, there have been a couple surprise performances from the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. Danton Heinen being one of them. Four goals is the team lead. Seven points is tied for first with Evan Rodriguez. Evan Rodriguez, again, another player. Surprising performance. With these guys out, the question was, who's going to lead them? We expected Kapanen. We expected Gensel. We expected Rust, who was injured. But Danton Heinen and Evan Rodriguez were not names that we came up with. So, those two guys right now leading the pack for the Pittsburgh Penguins when it comes to goals. And when it comes to points, Horwat, who else have you seen besides those two that has stood out to you in their play? I got, I had to fall back on Brian Boyle again, just because I don't think we expected a ton. Um, and he's exceeded, you know, a couple of expectations already, but a making the team. Yeah. B collecting a couple of goals pretty early on. Mm-hmm. And I think we expected if he was going to make the team, he was going to be a hell of a locker room guy and a 
big fan with with his teammates. So that's a good fallback. I will say I'll pick up a better answer. Drew O'Connor's been a huge um, improvement yeah. to this team. Yeah, sure, he hasn't looked phenomenal recently, mm-hmm. but in his you know in the early parts of the season, he was up there in that points race. Mm-hmm. He was up there with Heinen and Rodriguez as the team's leader in points. Um, big games are coming from him if he stays in the lineup as well. He's really shown incredible improvement from what he had last year. He looks quicker. He looks like he's a little more confident. Mm-hmm. And he'll continue to grow confidence if he keeps playing. Yeah, in a fourth-line role position, that's perfect right now. Yeah, You know, you still have to grow your confidence and be um, and find your game. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he's doing. Sure, I mean, he played center for a minute. Mm-hmm. I think... Is that where we want him to be? Uh, no, I think he's probably better yeah. as a winger. Yeah. So, but he has that ability. The fact that he has that ability to play center is also good. Yeah, you know? I mean, in, in the future, if you get into this position where there isn't a Brian Boyle around, you can lean on Drew O'Connor. Yeah. It was like the early stages of Jake Gensel. Hey, we gave that se- the center Jake Gensel a shot. We didn't like it. No. So we pinned him back on the wing Mm -hmm. why not try that experiment with drew o'connor down the line not right now but down the line yeah so that's gonna be my choice for who's really shocked me because again it's fun seeing the rookies do stuff like that Mm -hmm. he came in got his first goal quickly got his second and a third this is looking good sure he's kind of faltered off but so goes the way of a fourth liner in this league sometimes yeah it's not kicking him out of the lineup yet but it's solid play still you can't complain about it yeah so I like that decision. I like that choice. I would probably, if I was going to pick one player that has surprised me, and I know he's out of the lineup now, it would probably be Marcus Pedersen. I think he's probably been the best defenseman on this team right now all year long. When it comes to playing your position and being a defensive defenseman, Marcus Pedersen has clearly been the best one on the Penguins. So I've liked the way that he's played. But before we get into a name that stat line, a, a segment that we're bringing back... Ooh that I decided to bring back and we're going to finish off this segment with that. I did want to mention the Penguin special teams because there is a clear difference between their penalty kill and their power play and how well they're performing. The Penguins penalty kill right now is first in the NHL. They have the best penalty kill, which if you watched the Penguins last season and saw how much they struggled to prevent other teams from scoring on the power play, the fact that they are first on in the NHL a month into the season is a good sign. The fact that their penalty kill percentage is above 90% is even better. 91.7% kill rate. That's a fantastic. Their power play, on the other hand, is 27th in the NHL and has converted at 11.8%, which is historically bad, if not for teams like the Arizona Coyotes, who are allergic to scoring goals. And don't the, Ve- don't the Vegas Gold Knights have like none right now? Yeah, Vegas has one. They scored their first over the weekend with Alex Petrangelo. A round of applause. They're also yeah, they're also missing people as well. No, oh, they're missing everybody. <laughs> yeah, now they have Jack Eichel, who's just $10 million more to their injured reserve. That's a whole other discussion <laughs> for a whole other day. Um, listen, the Penguins power play, let's also... Uh, yeah, it's going to have a lower percentage. We're missing Malkin. We're missing Crosby. Yeah. Rust was out for a while. Jake Gensel and Kasperi Kapanen just were not were allergic to scoring as well for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Kapanen's second goal came just as the power play ended. Yeah. So you just missed it. But that's something that will turn around with time. It's I think I don't want to f- 
I don't want to look at that and say this is bad because again we're missing these names and players just were in a drought. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to. I personally, at least, just don't want to harp on the power play yet. Yeah. Let's okay. get. Let's put everyone. I'm okay, perfectly okay with hearing you harp on it. I get it. <laughs> this is this is not good. Regardless, you're a man up. And you're all NHL players. Something mm-hmm. should be coming from it. But personally, I'm looking at it as let's just give it a minute. Let's mm-hmm. let the guys let. Let's get healthy. Let's let Kapanen and Gensel find the net at all, which they've done. Now let's start really worrying about it. So I think it will be next game for me where I'll be like, all right, now let's see it. Yeah. But at the time I was thinking there's no one in this lineup that is ideally your number one power play unit. I mean, not no one, but yeah, the guys that were there weren't scoring. Mm-hmm. So be it. It's early in the season. Give it the time to turn around. And I'm still open to hearing the harping. Don't worry. Yeah. Listen, 11.8% is putrid. It is bad. It is really, yeah, really, really good. bad. I understand that you're, you know, without Sidney Crosby, it's huge. I understand you're without Evgeny Malkin. That's huge. You missed Brian Rust for most of this season so far. And I under, also understand that, you know, Gensel and Kapanen have been bad when it comes to I'm scoring I'm just patient goals. with it. That's all. But yeah. to me, it's not a big issue now. It's a big issue, like you said, when people come back. But 11.8%, really? Really? They are NHL players. You still got to figure it out. At least get to 15. Like, come on. Like, I don't know. I, I don't want to harp on it too much, like I said, because it is hard to harp on it, like you mentioned. But 27th on the power play, first in the penalty kill. I guess let's focus on how happy that makes me, because it's been a long time since the Penguins' penalty kill has been first. And realistically, it's only been like three years, but it's been a while. Yeah, and and it's... Who is it? Bluger and McGinn looking good. Bluger uh, and McGinn are looking good, and Zach Aston reese has always been a, a great always. penalty killer, so... so... What else can he do? I mean, he's great at five on five. Yeah, defensively. Yeah, no, the penalty kill looking good. That's, a, that's another thing to fall back on. Maybe that's another reason why I'm kind of just patient i'm just with this patience on the power play it's like yeah it's you know so what we'll score on five we're doing okay on five on five scoring wise Mm -hmm. and if we take a penalty oh we're killing it yeah 90 percent of the time nine times out of ten nine times out of ten we're killing it and that's and that's pretty (laughs) damn good yeah so it's yeah i get it like they are nhl players Mm -hmm. you're a man up you should still be able to figure something out yeah but we've run into hot goaltenders Mm -hmm. good teams Mm -hmm. And just a, a drought of no stars yeah. and no scoring. So I'll ease my patience soon, soon enough. Now that Kapanen and Gensel have found the back of the net and are finding their stride, I'm gonna start being a little harsher on it. But for just at the time, I was think I was just behind on give it the time, get let it breathe, let it grow. Uh, Todd Reardon's the head of that one, right? Or is it? Or is he penalty kill? Reardon is the power play and Volushi okay. is the penalty kill sorry it's because they switch and it is really weird yeah yeah so yeah they do but hey it's give it its time i think it'll turn around i'm not i'm not saying it'll be first but if this problem persists then that's an issue yes obviously if it persists if you stay at 11 point whatever 11.8 percent when you have crosby back when you eventually get malkin <laughs> back then it's a big issue but let's move on and finish off this segment with name that stat line. Horwat, I think it's been a little too long since we've done a name that stat line. You know what? We're going to do a special one here. Since we're talking about the Penguins so far this season, 
all three of these stat lines are from Penguins from this season. So to make it a little bit easier, it's anybody on this year's team. I will close out hockey reference now so I don't cheat. There we go. I appreciate that. And the way that this works is I will give a stat line for a player. Horwat gets three guesses. You know what? Let's say two guesses because it's this year. Horwat gets two guesses to see and say who I'm talking about. The first stat line, he has played in all 10 games, which means we named him at some point earlier in this segment. He has one goal, five points, is a minus three, averaging 23 minutes and 22 seconds of ice time, and has a 48.33 expected goals for percentage. You threw analytics in there. I'm ignoring that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's this year's stat line. One and four? This year. One goal, four assists. I'm going to be stupid already. Four assists. Uh, How much ice time? 23 minutes and 22 seconds. Average. Oh, it's got to be Crystal Tang. It is not. Is it Mike Matheson? It is not. The correct right. answer is John Marino. Oh, so close. Uh, 23 minutes, it's easy, a defenseman. I do want to look Oh, at- playing in all eight. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I deserve Play- to take the L. It's okay. Uh, so you're 0 for 1. John yep. Marino... <laughs> That That is his stat line. 10 games played, one goal, five assists, a minus three, and a 48.33 expected goals for percentage. I feel like John Marino has played well this year. He's played better than I think he started last season, which was very bad. It's very hard to play that bad. But John Marino has had a pretty decent start to the year so far. Stats aren't as much, but he's also taking on a much bigger role so far this season. I should have gotten that out of he's played all eight games and his time on ice. All 10 games. 10 sorry yeah i should have gotten it from there because he's the only defenseman to do it and that's clearly a defensive time on ice yes yeah damn it that's all right you you can still go two for three you can have a uh 66 batting average or 0.66 batting average that's a hall of fame batting average right there that is a hot that is probably the greatest of all time if you bat 660 it is by far the second player has also played in all 10 games I'm going to say that again, Horwat. He has played in all 10 games. So he's a forward this time. He has three goals, six points. He's a minus one, averaging 16 minutes and 11 seconds of time on ice and has a 61.53 expected goals for percentage. He said three goals and seven points. Three goals and six points. Oh, okay. It's not happening. He has seven. Oh, forward with three goals. Okay, three goals. Time to six <laughs> points. Not, it's not Drew O'Connor. He has five points. It is not Drew O'Connor. No. He also hasn't played in every game. <laughs> There's only, what do we say, eight players that eight. have played in There's every game? Eight. And it's not John Marino, and it's not Kasperi Kapanen. I know it's not Brian Boyle. It's There's five names to choose from. You got two guesses here. Is it Jason Zucker? Yes, it is Jason Zucker. I was about to say, I forgot how much he scored this year. Jason Zucker, I mean, sneakily kind of with three goals. I mean, yeah, I thought he had two. Yeah. That's kinda, I just shot the name out of nowhere. It's also not forget to mention the fact that he is doing a competition with Brian Russ. Mustache yeah, I have not boys. looked into that. Yes. I have not looked into that. I keep forgetting You can to. either buy a Jason Zucker mustache t-shirt or a Brian Russ mustache t-shirt. They're seeing who can raise more. I, I can't remember what it's for. I, I don't think it's Movember, but... I will look it up and we'll definitely post it on, on tip of the iceberg podcast. I did not expect to see, I did not expect that Jason Zucker was going to look like that with a mustache. <laughs> he looks like Elmer Fudd. Oh no. Elmer Fudd didn't have a mustache. Who am but... I thinking of? Uh, who had a mustache? Is he a Looney Tune? He's a Looney Tune. 
Am I even thinking of Elmer Fudd? Elmer Fudd was the hunter, right? Yes, Rabbit Elmer season? Fudd was the hunter. I, I got it completely wrong. I'll look it up here when you're trying to guess the next one. Um, the last one is eight games played, one goal, four points, a plus seven in 18 minutes and 28 seconds of time on ice, and a 62.78 expected goals for percentage. One goal, eight, seven. Wait, one goal and how many assists? Three assists, but he's a plus seven. Eight games. All right. Ugh. Now it could be anybody. Eight games. Matheson's played in seven, right? Matheson has played in seven. He missed the first. Or he's played in six. He missed the first two games. Oh, I'm way off. Ooh. Is it a defenseman? Yes. Because I'm only thinking of blue line. Okay. One goal. Oh, eight games. Is it Latang? It is not Chris Latang. That is 0 for Dang 1. It. You have one more, one more left, and you're what? One for two now. So this is to get a winning record on the day. Hey, three, 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 three is still a Hall of Fame batting average. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's a defense. Oh, I'm just blanking on all of our defensemen casually. Well, it's fine because there's been, what, 10 of them that have played for us already this year? Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I'm not even gonna be close. I feel like is it first one's John Maroon? Okay, is it Mark Friedman? It is Marcus Pedersen. Damn it! I, I did, <laughs> you talked about him so much. I didn't think you would use him here too. Well, I also wrote these down before we started to talk about them. Fair. So, so fair enough. The three stat lines were John Marino, Jason Zucker, and Marcus Pedersen. You go one for three. We'll have to bring this back so you can redeem yourself. It's a young season, and I'm not fully equipped with everyone yet still. Yeah, there's also been a lot of people in, a lot of people out, understandably, yeah. and a lot of the stat lines are looking the same. Not many people standing out too yeah, much. But that's part of it. Marcus Pedersen in eight games played has one goal for four points and is a plus seven. 62.78 expected goals for, like I said, probably the best defenseman we have seen so far this season. Also, Yosemite Sam is the mustache guy that I was talking about. I think when did... Jason Zucker looks like Yosemite Sam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> when did Pedersen score? Was that that Dallas game? Um, No. I can't remember. Uh, it was, uh, I believe, the Toronto game. Well, everyone scored there. A lot of people scored. I think that's when he scored, but we'll have to, it was. We'll have to double yeah. check that. But okay, I remember that one now. Yep, it was the Toronto game. We're going to take a quick break. When we return... We will have our pens full to close out the show. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THBN. When you visit the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. Horat, we were talking about how the Penguins have played so far this season. And DraftKings, you know, the Penguins haven't soured on DraftKings as of yet. Because if you want to bet the Penguins to win the Stanley Cup, it is plus 2,800, 28 to 1 odds. Which you would think with the season they've had so far, they're in dead last in the Metro, that they would be way lower on this list. But currently, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, they are 14th. 14th best odds to win the Stanley Cup. It's because it's because when you look at, I think, I don't know the science behind coming up with those numbers, mm -hmm. but I would assume that, like, 
because we have Crosby and Malkin and on this team, maybe that juices the numbers. Like, hey, those are great players on a good team. Mm-hmm. You heighten it. But again, I don't know the science behind these numbers. But it makes sense. It's almost like why Chicago maybe should also have good odds because they have great players mm-hmm. and a good goaltender. And on paper, decent defensemen. Sometimes things just fall apart. Mm-hmm. Despite them being terrible, and that kind of really adds to the equation of them sucking. Mm-hmm. But I don't know anything about sports or sports science. Sports betting. Uh, sports betting numbers. Yeah, no problem. I mean, if you don't feel comfortable throwing any money on the Penguins, twenty-eight to one, you could always throw some money on the Arizona Coyotes, who have the worst odds to win the Stanley Cup right now, at one thousand to one. So if you bet one dollar, you win a thousand bucks. If they win. Hey, you know what? <laughs> that sounds like a good payout. There you go. But uh, let's get into our weekly pens poll. Enough of the sports betting talk. Who currently healthy, which at the time of this poll, Brian Russ was not currently healthy. So who currently healthy would you like to see on Crosby's right wing this season the most? For the first time that I can remember, we might have had one or two other times. We have a tie for first place. Danton Heinen and Kasperi Kapanen both get 41% of the vote. Evan Rodriguez gets 10% of the vote, and Other gets 8% of the vote. A couple people wrote Jason Zucker in the comments. So, Horwat, who would you like to see on Crosby's right wing once he returns this season? Of those options. Of those Danton options. Heinen. Danton Heinen? Yes. Ooh. Just because Kasperi Kapanen and Evgeny Malkin, I hope they still have that mojo. That's kind of what I'm banking on for that. That's my thought process. Danton Heinen... Also, because I've been saying Danton Hine is the is the Pascal Dupuis prototype for weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm-hmm. So, final answer, Danton Hine, because I would sure hope to see Kapanen and Malkin still have that chemistry despite the long break. Uh, and just I don't want to see Erod up there. The others, just I don't want to. I don't like picking others. And I mean, obviously the spots Brian Rusts, right? We hope. Uh, you would imagine so. Unless something's going wrong, you would imagine that Brian Rust gets the start up there if you know if if everybody's healthy. And Evan Rodriguez just kind of seems like he goes in there whenever Rust or Kat- Gensel is out. But if everybody's healthy, I have a hard time believing that Brian Rust won't be on that top line. Yeah, exactly. So final answer, Dan Heinen, just because we've been singing his praises forever and ever and just – Kapanen and Malkin, man. I hope that still works. And E-Rod, just no thanks. No thanks. Yeah, I, I would rather see Heinen than Evan Rodriguez up there, obviously. I, I It makes me upset a little bit that, I've, that you know, Danton Heinen is where he is right now because the Penguins aren't fully healthy and Heinen is still on the fourth line. Yeah. He kind of just didn't get a spot because McGinn fits so well on that third line. And the fact that He's behind a guy like Brian Rust and then also Kasperi Kapanen. It's just, it's difficult. Is he the fourth best right wing on this team? Probably not. He's probably a better option, at least scoring-wise, than Brock McGinn. But the way that Brock McGinn plays fits so well with Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston-Reese that you're going to have to have somebody like Danton Heinen playing fourth-line minutes, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, it's nice to have a guy of his skill down there on the fourth line. It is, absolutely. It's nice having a threat somewhere at all times. And not that he's exactly a threat, but he kind of seems like one He's right leading the team in points right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the long run, he won't be like the threat that we're seeing him as now. But yeah. yeah, it's always ideal to have 
someone reliable on every line. Mm -hmm. So that's his, that's the niche right now. Yep. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you giving us your ear and, and tuning in to this episode here. The penguins, of course, like we said in action Tuesday night against the Chicago Blackhawks, then back at PPG paints arena on Thursday evening against the Florida Panthers. We will be previewing that on Thursday morning, so make sure you tune in to that episode as well. We'll see you guys later in the week. Have a good week, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from so please subscribe and rate us on apple podcasts we are brought to you by the hockey podcast network you can visit them on twitter at hockeypodnet or at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com every team everywhere